I have in this box that which has started every conflict in modern history. Every war, every dispute, every argument. What's in this box? You know what it is? Let's see, let's see. You do know what the box is, right? Man, a manly box. This is a manly box. What do we have here? It's a tongue. It's a cow tongue, and I should have brought some uh, napkins up. Now I need napkins before I dig into the Bible. So we are studying the book of Proverbs, and uh, today's topic is the tongue, the power of, power of words. You didn't know Proverbs says more about the tongue than any other, any other subject, which means learning to control this bad boy is a critical part of becoming wise, right? series is titled Foolproof. God wants to foolproof our Lives. And if we want to be wise, if we want to foolproof our lives, we've got to learn to control the tongue. And even though ours is a little smaller, it is just as powerful. Proverbs says a lot about the tongue, but I want to, I want to focus our attention today on just one verse. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words have power, tremendous power. According to Proverbs, they have the power of death and life. And you know what? That's not hyperbolic. When I first looked into this, I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's a hyperbolic extreme statement. But you know what? It's, it's not. It is an actual true statement. The rabbi Abraham Heschel is the one who first said, uh, words create worlds. And he was an Old Testament scholar. And uh, he had been thinking about the fact that when God created the universe, it all started with words. There was nothing, and then God said, let there be light. Everything that uh, is here is a result of words. And we, who are created in his image, have been given this, this power of creation, this power of life and death in our words. Words create worlds. Abraham used to tell his daughter Susanna, he said, you know what? Uh, the Holocaust did not start with furnaces. The Holocaust didn't, uh, Hitler didn't rise to power with guns and tanks. It all began with words. He began to articulate uh, an understanding of the Jewish people and an understanding of the Aryan, Aryan people. And he began to, he wrote his book, Mein Kampf, and he, and he gave speeches. And he began to create, through his words, a world in which six million Jews could be burned, killed, gassed. Words create worlds. The power of the tongue. And you know, when, when something has the power to kill, you've got to treat it with care. My Aubrey uh, learned this a few weeks ago when she went through her hunter safety class. It's a good thing, I think, to learn to respect a firearm. So she had to do eight sessions online, and then she had to go for like a five-hour class uh, 
down at the firing range, the Rabbit Creek range. And one of the things, if, if there was anything that they wanted to communicate, it was this. Always treat a gun like it's loaded because it has the power to kill. And, and since it has that power, you've got to treat it with care. And I think that that's what Proverbs wants to tell us. The tongue is so powerful. You've got to treat it with great care. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I want to start by talking about um, some ways that, that we use the tongue uh, to kill. Let me tell you a story. Uh, Karen Carpenter, you've all heard her songs, right? She and, and her brother uh, Richard, great singers. Karen Carpenter died at the age of 32 from a heart failure due to uh, her um, anorexia. And from the time she was a teenager, she had um, battled her weight and used um, anorexia and bulimia uh, as ways to stay thin. And when she was 32, it caught up with her and her heart failed and she died. And CBS uh, had the Karen Carpenter story and they were trying to ask, you know, what, what's the root cause of her uh, weight issues? You know, why did she get into, you know, why, why did uh, anorexia become a part of her life? And what they discovered is that when she was just a teenager, when she and Richard were first uh, beginning to sing nationally, a, a music critic had referred to her in black and white as the Richard's chubby little sister. And she read those words, and they went right into her mind and into her heart, and they began to create a world, a world in which she, she needed to be thinner. And she, when she went from 145 pounds down to 100 pounds, uh, her family and friends applauded, but then she went down to 90 pounds, and eventually it killed her. So even CBS is, is saying, you know what? The, those were words of death spoken to her. And yeah, it took years to, to play itself out. But those words spoken when she was just a teenager had the power of death in her life. I was uh, just on Thursday in Texas, uh, Texas City High School. There was a, a gal by the name of uh, Vera, uh, Vera Bella. And she took her own life just two, two days ago because uh, she had been verbally bullied at her school. Words actually do have the power of death. Now, on a much smaller scale, I, think, I was thinking about uh, when I was a kid, I was a, a singing guy. I was always singing, and I was making up songs all the time, and uh, I had a, a joyful musical heart. But my brothers and my best friend used to always say, Mike, stop singing. You're way off. You're terrible. And now I was, uh, I was also, I was a fighter, so there was no way I was going to stop singing in the moment, right? I, I wanted to finish my song. But it, it planted in my head and my mind a bit, an understanding of myself. And even though I uh, played trumpet and even though I sang in the choir in high school, I never thought of myself as a musical person. And maybe rightfully so. But I never, I, so I never per- pursued music at all. And, and I, and so there was a death, a death in that. Who knows? I could have been Beethoven. Probably, I'm not probably musical, but 
I don't know, you see. So there was a, uh, I didn't even explore that part of my life. Uh, recently, a young woman was telling me when she grew up, and uh, her parents would often say to her, you're, uh, you're selfish, you're irresponsible, and you're dramatic. And so she heard that periodically growing up. And now they meant to say, right now you're acting selfishly. Right now you're being dramatic. But she heard it as, this is who you are. And, and that, um, those words have uh, just cascaded into her life and, and been a, a huge part of who she, how she understands herself. Let me take a moment, and I want to just, uh, I want to read some death-producing phrases that you've probably heard. Maybe they've been spoken into your life. Maybe you've spoken, in, spoken them into the life of someone else. And here's what I want you to do. As you listen to these words, imagine that these are being said to you. And, and what do they create within you? What kind of world do they create? You're worthless. You're hopeless. You disappoint me. You'll never amount to anything. I don't trust you. I don't like you. You'll never change. I made a mistake marrying you. I wish I hadn't brought you into the world. I want you out of my life. These are things people tell other people, and it produces death in them. And so the first thing I'm hoping is I am, I'm hoping that uh, the Spirit of God will um, put a resolve in all of our hearts to not Use the tongue, use this power that God has given us because we're created in his image for death-producing purposes. And so may we just start by saying, God, uh, I don't want to say those kind of things to people. I don't want to produce death in people. So in your heart, will you say that right now? William George Jordan wrote a uh, poem, Crimes of the Tongue. There are pillows wet by sobs. There are noble hearts broken in the silence whence comes no cry of protest. There are gentle, sensitive natures seared and warped, old-time friends separated and walking their lonely way, with hope dead and memory but a pain. There are cruel misunderstandings that make all life look dark. These are but few of the sorrows that come from the crimes of the tongue. You know, maybe right now you're thinking of the, the few words that uh, have produced life or death in you. And you know what they are. So we want to know. <laughs> We're not, we don't want to say those things. Uh, I think about James. Here's the apostle James, and he's lamenting uh, the sad reality that so often the same people who praise God curse men. James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, right? We've gathered together, we've blessed God today, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. God's given us the tongue, he's given us the power to produce life and death, but let's use the tongue to produce life. So the tongue, we've talked about its power to destroy. Now let's talk about its power to give life. So I want to talk about Edward. Edward was uh, a teenager in the 1970s living in California. And he had an older brother. Edward was six foot tall and uh, strapping, big strapping guy. Now he had an older brother who was uh, short. 
uh, and resented that because he wanted to be an athlete, and so he didn't. He resented the fact that his younger brother was the six-foot-tall, big-framed guy, and uh, so he took out his jealousy and his resentment on on his younger brother through words, belittled him, and and the younger brother looked up to the older brother, and wa- and, and so it really, really crushed him as a as a young man. Well, he, uh, in high school, he had one teacher that that was um, reached out to him and was friendly to him. It was his music theory teacher. And he wasn't a very good student. Uh, he, it wasn't that he was uh, dumb by any means. He just, he was so down on himself that he, he didn't attend all the classes. He didn't turn in all the homework. Uh, he didn't apply himself. Well, the, uh, God was preparing the heart of his teacher because when the final exams uh, were done and, and it was time for her to assign students grades, she just couldn't, she couldn't decide what to give uh, Edward. And this was unique to her. She said, you know, it had, never as a teacher had there ever been any question. I knew what he deserved, but I, didn't, I, I wasn't sure what to give him. And so uh, she, she's the one who tells the story about Edward, and she said she lost a lot of sleep the night before was unresolved in what she was going to do. And it was her policy that um, ever, she required students to come visit her in her office. And one-on-one, she would then give them uh, their final grade for the semester and, you know, and talk to them. And so she was uh, uh, anticipating her conversation with Edward, unsure what she was going to do. Well, he never showed up. And she was just uh, at the point of locking her office to go home uh, disappointed when he he stood behind her. Well, unbeknownst to uh, to her, uh, Edward had written a note, left it in his um, room that day, telling his family, um, "I'm taking my life. I'm sorry, but I have nothing to live for. You'll find me in my closet." It said. But he thought, you know, before I do this, I'm going to go talk to that teacher who reached out to me, and I'll find out what my grade was, and he knew it was going to be a bad grade. So she brings him into the office, and, and uh, let me read what he tells her and, and how she responds. And so Edward tells his teacher, I know I'm getting a low grade on my final. I realize I've not been participating in class, and I'm an embarrassment to others. I'm lazy, selfish, stupid, an un- ugly, no good for anything person, and I have no place on earth And what's more, no one can ever love a person like me. I'm a hopeless case with absolutely no future. That's where he, that's where he is. When he finished, I faced him, his teacher writes, Edward, your final grade's an A. His reaction was one of total surprise. You're giving me an A? Why? I didn't, I did a poor job in class. So here's what she says to him. You may appear to be a D student, but you're an A person. I believe in you. I believe in you now, and I'll always believe in you. I'm here for you. I'll always be here for you. Never forget that. Now go. Create the life you dream of. Believe in yourself. I'll be watching. And by the way, Edward, I love you. She had no idea what was going on in his life. Later that night, he, she received a call from their, uh, the priest of their family's church. And he said, I want to thank you for saving Edward's life today. What are you talking about? Well, the family had come home and found the note. But Edward never went home. He just went off 
uh, walking in, in the hills thinking about what the teacher had told him. And it created a whole new world for him. All of a sudden, he didn't want to die. And at the time of the story he's writing, he was a, a successful dentist. He was married. He had four children. And he, gave, uh, he served in the community, um, abused children, helping um, give hope and love into their life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we can wield the tongue for uh, destructive purposes, but, but the God has given us uh, the ability to bring life in other people with the tongue. And what an incredible privilege that is. And we won't know until we, we get to heaven someday uh, exactly how God has used uh, our tongue. And, and the results of it. But I tell you what, I want to see a lot more living things in heaven as a result of, of my tongue than dead things, don't you? Let me read you some more statements. These are life-giving statements. What would this create in you if you were being told this? I believe in you. There's always hope. Tomorrow's a new day. I trust you. I like who you're becoming. You can do it. You'll do the right thing. I know you will. I'm glad you're in my life. I love you no matter what. I'll always be here for you. Young lady I was telling you about whose uh, parents said you're selfish, dramatic, and irresponsible. She was sharing that a uh, uh, little bit out of college with some uh, a spiritual mentor that she really respected. And that spiritual mentor said, you know what? I don't see that in you. That's just not true. I don't see that in you. And that set her free. Not completely, but a lot. I think about, um, nobody's ever told me I'm a good singer, but, so I don't have any positive story there. But uh, I think about my, uh, but I think about my mom when I was uh, just young, and my mom said to me one time, she said, you know, you're wise. You're a wise man, young man. And uh, that did something to me. Just that one statement set, uh, made me value wisdom and made me want to become wiser. And it sort of set my heart on a, on a path to, to grow in wisdom. Amazing. Created a new world for me. Another scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I feel like uh, Apostle Paul here puts it all together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. So nothing that will corrupt, nothing that will destroy, nothing that will break down, nothing that will harm, right? Let no corrupting talk, but only such as is good for building up. There are the two options, right? He's talking about, you know, talk that will produce death in, in people around you and talk that will produce life. We Christians should be people who Use our tongue to produce life in other people, only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That's what we're called to. Final story. I'll tell you the story of Jenny. Because here's the, 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 the final point I want to make is that, you know what? God has a whole lot to say about you and a whole lot to say about me, and it's all life-giving. God's, God has spoken words over us and their life-giving words. So Jenny, uh, Jenny down, has Down syndrome. 
And when she was in high school, uh, she was rode the bus and so often um, was, was mocked for it. And so she would come home day after day after day uh, sad and crying. Now, her parents loved her, and the, her parents would build her up, and her parents would say, don't worry about what people say. You know, we love you. You're wonderful. Well, one day her mom uh, was brilliant because her mom said, Jenny, I'll make you a deal. I will give you $5,000 if you can find one negative thing God says about you in the Bible. $5,000. So Jenny took up the challenge, (laughs) $5,000. And so she began to search the scriptures to, to find the one thing God had said about her that was not positive. Where is there a word of death that God has said about me? She has never collected on her $5,000. And in fact, her heart uh, was encouraged and changed. Here's what she writes. I like to memorize scripture and fill my mind with the truth of who God says I am. This understanding has made all the difference in my life. Now I recognize that God has a plan for my life. And he created me just the way I am for his special purpose. I may still have Down syndrome, but now instead of saying, if only I didn't have Down syndrome, I say, so what? I'll glorify God just the way he made me. I know he loves me and cares for me with his whole heart. That transformation is available to all of us. Because God says good things, life-giving things to us. And so I want to end with just, I'm going to just read you scriptures. If you're a follower of Christ, these are things, these are life-giving things that God says are true of you. So why don't you just close your eyes and take this in. This is God talking to you. We're going to sit on this for a little bit. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now you are the body of Christ. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God, you have used your words to bring about life in us. And we acknowledge that the death-producing words that have spoken into our lives have their source not in you, but in the pit of hell. Their origin is in the demonic even though they might have been uttered by people that we love. And so in faith, we reject the lie and we receive and embrace the truth of of your goodness and your love toward us and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And by faith, may may those words uh, animate our lives and, and produce life upon life upon life within us. And then may we turn around and be used by you to use our tongues to produce life in others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.